0: Listener-supported, WNYC Studios.
1: From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Tuesday, November 21st. There are several headlines from the world of big tech right now, some of which are just, you know, battle of the tech bros, corporate intrigue, some of which have implications for all of us, some of which might be a little of each. Maybe you heard about the latest Elon Musk controversy. He promoted a tweet, widely considered anti-Jewish, then followed up with his own tweet that was condemned by many as both anti-Jewish and racist. And by the end of last week, major companies, including Apple and Disney and IBM, suspended their advertising on the platform now known as X. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised that Musk also announced that the company, which he bought for $44 billion, remember that price tag when it was called Twitter, is now worth about $19 billion. That's by Musk's own admission. So whatever it is he's doing in the name of his ideology or free speech is costing him big time. Then there's the big Google antitrust case. Sarah Morrison, senior reporter for Vox, who covers data privacy, antitrust, and big tech's power over us all, and who'll join us in a minute, wrote an article called The Secrets Google Spilled in Court, What We Learned and Didn't Learn from the Big Google Antitrust Trial. And there's Europe trying to take the lead on regulating artificial intelligence, but different countries staking out different positions in the last few days. And for the moment, that seems to be going south. And maybe the story... You've been most likely to see today, but also most likely to be confused by the melodrama at the powerful artificial intelligence company OpenAI, creator of ChatGPT. right? Where Sam Altman, their Wunderkind CEO, was fired going into the weekend, and nobody quite seems to know why. But by Monday, yesterday, Microsoft had signed him on to a big job, while hundreds of Altman's former colleagues at OpenAI were demanding his reinstatement there. So there's a Hollywood movie in that, but not just a movie. Remember, Altman is the guy who testified in Congress a few months ago that his company's creation does have the power to put human beings out of work, but he also put this happy spin on it.
0: There will be an impact on jobs. Uh, we try to be very clear about that, and I think it will require partnership between the industry and government, but mostly action by government to figure out how we want to mitigate that. Um, but I'm very optimistic about how great the jobs of the future will be.
1: Sam Altman, very optimistic about how great the jobs of the future will be before a Senate committee in May. Sarah Morrison's article out today is called Why OpenAI Blew Up and Why It Matters. So we'll start there with Sarah Morrison, senior reporter for Vox, who covers data privacy, antitrust, and big tech's power over us all. Sarah, busy times for our technology overlords. Welcome back to WNYC. Uh,
2: hi, yeah, uh, so much for my Thanksgiving break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> So lot, let's yeah. st- uh, and so much for Sam Altman. So let's start there. The lead of your article says... So OpenAI had a weird weekend. The hottest company in tech is imploding after the shocking removal of its superstar CEO Sam Altman under still mysterious circumstances. Can you do a little 101 for listeners who don't follow this stuff? What is OpenAI and why is it the hottest company in tech?
2: Uh so OpenAI is, you know, obviously an AI uh developer and I guess research company uh and if you if you know anything about AI or even not you probably know them best because they're the makers of chat gpt which is like the chatbot that you ask it to write anything in any style and it seems to be able uh to do it so uh that was uh, released to the public sort of around this time last year uh and it was a huge you know huge deal because people were like this is amazing like i didn't know we had the capability to do this uh, and they were really the first company i mean they one of the first companies to just sort of release this and show this off and it seemed to be one of the most advanced so they're they're a big deal uh they have i think about about 13 billion dollars in investments from microsoft at this point uh their valuation is something like 80 86 billion dollar it was i don't know i don't know today
1: huh. uh so
2: so they're basically the, the the biggest like the hottest tech company in a technology that could uh change the world so you know not a small thing
1: Right. And we've been talking about how it can write people's college application essays without the high school seniors doing it themselves. It can put actors and writers out of work in Hollywood, all that stuff. So who is or was its superstar CEO, Sam Altman? What has his role been in the development or selling of the ChatGPT artificial intelligence tool?
2: I mean, selling is, is, a, is a great word for it. You know, he's the CEO. Uh, he became the CEO in 2019. company was founded in 2015, but he's always been a part of it. Uh, And and his thing over the last several months has been, you know, going around the world, sort of going to various, you know, governments, world leaders and saying, you know, here's this thing. Don't be afraid of it too much. Uh, It's amazing. I've heard he's very charming. Uh, very able to win people over, you know. We testified in front of uh, of Congress, as as you showed, and you know they were kind of falling all over themselves to 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 praise him and, and the technology. Uh, you know both both parties. So he's uh, he, you know he is the face of this company and therefore the the face of of AI right now. Um. So yeah, he's also a very big deal. Uh, which is why. Him no longer being the CEO of that company is, uh, is, is, is you
1: know huge news right. and, 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 real, and, and shocking. We'll get, yeah. And we'll get explicitly to the firing in a minute. But yeah, we played that clip of Altman testifying to a Senate committee that AI will destroy jobs but also create new jobs. Your article refers to him even saying this co- that his company's products could contribute to the end of humanity itself. Has he gotten specific about that apocalyptic vision?
2: Uh, he's, uh, I I can't say for sure. I know there's this general sentiment among some people, like, in this, uh, in this world that, you know, if we don't have these sort of safe AI systems, uh, you know, and we don't, like, develop and control this technology in the right way, we'll create super intelligent, you know, artificial intelligence that, you know, is smarter and more capable than we are and could, you know, like they think there's worries that it'll you know, create diseases, set off nuclear missiles, whatever. Uh, this is the things you see in sci-fi movies. Uh, it's sort of a long term concern over over artificial intelligence that you hear. You've heard from him and, and various others, uh, which, you know, it's like, why is the CEO of, of the company that makes this saying these kinds of things? I think there's a couple reasons for that.
1: And I actually want to replay the clip and draw listeners' attention to something in the middle of it. It's just like a 15-second clip, and it starts with jobs and it ends with jobs. But listen to what's in the middle, folks.
0: There will be an impact on jobs. Uh, We try to be very clear about that. And I think it will require partnership between the industry and government, but mostly action by government to figure out how we want to mitigate that. Um, But I'm very optimistic about how great the jobs of the future will be.
1: It will require action by government to mitigate that. And so here is this CEO of this threatening, in addition to whatever else it is, new technology on what you call an AI world tour, telling governments and others how best to regulate this transformative technology as you write. So actually inviting regulation, which is not something that we traditionally hear corporate CEOs with a lot of money on the line doing. But I think you see it as a sophisticated kind of game, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're the one whose company has gotten out ahead of this and you sort of present yourself as this ambassador uh, of AI and you say, I I know a lot about this. So I'm in a great position to to help you all out, uh, to make sure that we're putting out a safe product and, uh, you know, not destroying the world. uh, But you're going to do this in a way that benefits your company. Uh, If you're the one who makes the rules, you know, you're also the one who makes the rules that are more, the most advantageous to you. And, you know, we've seen over the last couple of years as there's been more pressure on big tech companies in general to uh, sort of more of an awareness that self-regulation doesn't quite work. We've seen them say, you know, just give us the rules and, and we'll follow them and they should probably look something like this. So, He's unusual in that he's sort of starting from there. And that's something I think other CEOs uh, in tech have, have had to sort of get to because they've seen the need to do so. Um, you know, but if you start from there and say, yeah, 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 I love regulation. I love rules. It's really important that we have them. You know, you, you, you certainly look, you know, you, you look a lot better and people will probably be more, you know, happier to work with you
1: you might wind up with fewer rules if mm. they think you're acting in good faith like that. Let's take a call right now who, who actually wants to refer, caller wants to refer to the clip of Sam Altman, Ephraim <coughs> in Brooklyn. Afrayim, did I just hear you sneeze? Thank you for joining us, and God bless you if that's appropriate.
3: Uh, hi, Brian. Uh, I was surprised by your description that uh, Altman invited, uh, as you said, uh, government regulations he did not invite. He said that government, uh, at least uh, he meant what I understood uh, from his speech, that government has to take care of this unemployment, uh, which would be created by artificial intelligence. Ah. But uh, it, it is not regulation. Uh, there are different means government meant to. He said uh, yes.
1: mitigate.
3: Mitigate is not regulate.
1: Ah, very. Okay. Fair, fair, Fair enough of you to point that out, Ephraim. So let's play the clip again. Let's listen to this very carefully. And, uh, I will say someone else tweeted the exact same comment. So let's listen to the clip one more time and make sure we get it right. Here we go.
0: There will be an impact on jobs. Uh, we try to be very clear about that. And I think it will require partnership between the industry and government, but mostly action by government to figure out how we want to mitigate that. Um, but I'm very optimistic about how great the jobs of the future will be.
1: Right. So Sarah Morrison, I guess we could hear Mitigate either as just provide uh, safety net services and new job trainings and things like that to people who lose their jobs because of artificial intelligence, or we can hear Mitigate as try to prevent it uh, to some degree by some kind of, of regulation. So how do you hear it since this is your beat?
2: I mean, that's one clip. It was a long <laughs> hearing, I know, because I, I listened to it. Uh, it was it was several hours, I think. Uh, but I believe he has called for, like, you know, government to to step in and, and sort of lay down, um, you know, here are the guidelines and regulations. Um, but, you know, obviously, also, he's been very big on. You know, voluntary commitments, uh, which is something the government, the U.S. government has asked for and that I believe OpenAI signed on to. Meaning voluntary voluntary
1: as opposed to mandatory?
2: Right. Well, there, you know, there's no law that sort of requires these things, right? So voluntary commitments is sort of almost all we have right now, uh, which is great for him and all the other companies. Uh, And he signed, I believe he signed, I know a lot of other ones did, you know, a, a moratorium uh, um, on 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 these models until we can sort of make sure that the things we develop are safe before they're released to the public. So, I mean, he's definitely said or paid lip service to the idea of there being sort of guardrails or guidelines uh, in the development and release of, of, of this technology.
1: Yeah, and that gets us to one of the other stories in the news today, that meanwhile in Europe, um, this hasn't broken out very much, here, but it's a story in the last day about the future of humanity and artificial intelligence. As Politico writes this one up, Europe's three largest economies have turned against regulation of the most powerful types of artificial intelligence, putting the fate of the bloc's pioneering Artificial Intelligence Act on the line. It says, France, Germany, and Italy are stonewalling negotiations over a controversial section of the EU's draft AI legislation, so it doesn't hamper Europe's own development of what they call foundation models, AI infrastructure that underpins large language models like OpenAI's chat GPT and Google's BARD. It says government officials argue that slapping tough restrictions on these newfangled models would harm the EU's own champions in the race to harness AI technology, unquote, from Politico. So, Sarah, woo, it sounds like there's tension over there, like over here, between regulators wanting to keep AI safe while also wanting their economies to profit from it as much as possible at the same time—is that how you hear that?
2: Yeah, and that's that's been a big part of the the issue here. Every time we sort of get ideas that like you know bills or possible laws are going to come out that put more you know regulations or guardrails on big tech companies in general, uh, you know the the business interests of these sort of innovative, amazing, world-leading companies always seems to win out and uh and europe's actually been you know generally better at this they do have a law uh you know digital markets and digital services act uh that that is out there and um they they are there's two different ones uh and so it looked like they were going to sort of lead on ai as well uh this the ai it's been in the works for a couple of years i think it even sort of predates the release of things like chat gpt and they had to sort of go back and figure out where generative ai this kind of stuff would fit in and it looked like you know we got pretty far in the process it looked like a couple of weeks ago this was going to happen and then all of a sudden apparently we've got like those you know three countries that are saying like you said uh we want self-regulation instead we we don't want to put anything out that you know hampers the development of stuff you know innovative products from us uh so which again is the thing that tech companies always say if you give us too many rules we'll leave or we can't we can't do this and then what happens so uh it's interesting that that's that's now happened and in, in, apparently in europe as well uh and then we'll see, yeah i guess we'll see how that plays out because like you said this is sort of happened over the last couple of days only
1: so is that potentially a recipe for disaster maybe this is you know uh, worst case, chicken little thinking, but recipe for disaster, as in we didn't want to kill the golden goose, so we let it grow so powerful it killed us. And there I've mixed my goose and chicken metaphors, but you know what I mean.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's we're seeing like how that plays out, you know, with companies like Google and, and you know, Amazon and Meta and the, the sort of antitrust lawsuits and attempts to pass bills that have happened over the last couple of years where we sort of let these companies do what they wanted, figure out rules for themselves. And then, oh no, there've been like implications for society and they're now the biggest companies in the world. And we we didn't really, you know, supervise or, or regulate them as well as we, we could have, or as well as we do other industries. If you want to say they do it well, uh, they do it more. So uh, I think with AI, it was like, here's a chance to maybe get ahead of this and do something before and, I, it doesn't sort of seem like that's happening yet. I'm not saying it won't. But the fact that the EU couldn't even so far come to an agreement on this, something they've been working on for a long time, says, I, I you know, not a great sign.
1: Maria in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, wants to add something important, too. Maria, you're on WNYC. Hello.
3: Hi. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. Where are we? in preparing for this? We have been so, particularly in neighborhoods like Sunset Park, which are historically working class neighborhoods, where our education has left our children behind for decades, has improved here, but we're we're still way behind. Where are the education people even thinking, even interested in this? How do we make the group of people who sit in those rooms, who are preparing the algorithms, who are uh, directing traffic in how this technology, which is, um, uh, you know, something earth-shaking and any other technology, be for the benefit of all of us. I don't see it. And I hope other people out there know more about this and they see that diversity out there because this is, my fear and the fear of a lot of people here in the neighborhood with whom I talk and, mm-hmm. and uh, organize and is that it is more of the same that we, it continues to be the, that class domination of some people can succeed, some people can lead, some people will have their hands on, but other people are not, and jobs, uh, prosperity, uh, stability is is central in our thinking and we battle with that every single day. And the the money that we all spend um, here in the United States, elsewhere to mitigate the consequences of when the people sitting in the room are not diverse, don't come to the table with different ideas and different perspectives. That's, where is this in the conversation? Is there anyone thinking about this? Is, are there people that 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 think of how our children should be Mm-hmm. educated and prepared for the future are even thinking about this or are they still with their, hands in, their heads in the sand?
1: <laughs> Maria, thank you. Thank you for for that context and that question. Sarah, is there any answer to that question that's knowable at this point?
2: Um, I think if you're asking the people who are developing it, are, are they thinking about it or do they care too much about it? I mean, I don't know. I think they say they do. Uh, but I do believe... Uh, in the executive order, uh, the Bi- Biden's AI executive order, there were some things there about, uh, you know, that that, you know, that mention this um, or consider implications on like labor and education and things like that. Uh, but again, don't know how those play out. But it's it is something that some people who are responsible for some things uh, are thinking about. But it seems you know everything's in sort of beginning stages. Uh, so. Yeah, again, don't know how it plays out, but it's it's you know she's not the only person who's thinking about that or worried about that.
1: Sarah Morrison, senior reporter for Vox, who covers data privacy, antitrust, and big tech's power over us all. Thank you so much for this.
2: Thank you, and uh, happy Thanksgiving.
1: Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, the Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio. 10 a.m. to noon eastern time if you want to listen live at wnyc.org thanks for listening today talk to you next time